This is an Area Code podcast. Welcome to Wildwood Flower, stories of women who built country music. I'm Jack Peterson, a lifelong music fan and country music outsider, trying to embrace a genre I've always held at a distance. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, episode 16, on Lulu Bell Part 1, you should do that now before listening to this one. In it, we learned about Daughter of a Moonshiner, Myrtle Cooper's rise to fame on the National Barn Dance, and transformation into the stage persona Lulu Bell, a country rube comedic character that sang mountain ballads and novelty songs and became somewhat of a divisive figure on the barn dance, both among fans and castmates. After early success with Red Foley, Lulu Bell pairs with Scotty Wiseman, who, aside from being her musical partner, becomes her husband and the two have a child, Linda Lou Wiseman. Lulu Bell's star at the barn dance is rising, and we start this episode in 1936. <laughs> In 1936, Radio Guide magazine held its annual Queen of the Radio poll, asking readers to submit a questionnaire writing in their favorite female star. This is the same poll that Linda Parker placed ninth in 1932 behind her idol Ruth Edding. For several years running, Jessica Dragonette was the reigning radio queen. Yes, you heard me right. Her name is Jessica Dragonette, and she's not a fictional Disney villain. She was a successful New York-based singer and actress in the 20s and 30s. The charming little queen of radio returns, this time in one of her most popular numbers. She is supported by the NBC chorus in singing Velia, Miss Jessica Dragonette. Jessica Dragonette had a devoted fan base and had a good chance of retaining her throne. I'll let Radio Guide tell you how the race turned out. Miss Jessica Dragonette, whose tenure of the throne during the past year was so pleasing to many people, was supported once more by all those whose votes elected her last year. For a long while, it seemed that her perennial popularity would seat her again in the royal chair. But then the name of another woman, another singer whose songs were different and whose appeal was something quite apart from the enchantment of the glamorous Miss Dragonette, began to appear on more and more ballots. From nowhere in the listening, she rose like a rocket as the magnetism of her candidacy attracted followers. Soon they were neck and neck, Queen Jessica and the newcomer from the West named Lulu Bell. 
I think I have never seen a more interesting finish. As the contest drew to a close, friends of each contestant busied themselves securing votes for their favorites. In a way, it was East against West. Miss Dragonette, who lives in fashionable New York against Lulu Bell, who came from a mountain cabin whose songs are still the folk music of her people. On behalf of Queen Jessica, club women and American legionnaires came to the offices with votes they had collected. In behalf of Lulu Bell, stained envelopes and twine-wrapped packages brought ballots in the hills and in the distant cities. In the final counting, only the scant margin of 2,000 votes stood between the two, and those 2,000 gave you and me a new queen. She was a girl from the foothills of North Carolina who had come to Chicago, where she had entered radio as an unspoiled daughter of the soil. Her songs were ballads from the open range of the American West. They were tunes that farmers hummed in their fields, that cowboys chanted around bunkhouse stoves. Her voice brought soft whisper to the night wind as it sighed over the prairie. The spirit, too, of her songs found an echo in the hearts of the lonely trail rider as he kept his midnight vigil. Lulu Bell reached far into the quiet corners of America. So, as one lovely queen leaves her throne, another steps up to the golden dace. With these words we place on her pretty head the crown that marks her rank among women and gives into her hand the scepter of royalty. And to listeners everywhere, we present radio's new and talented sovereign, Her Majesty Queen Lulu Bell, star of the National Barn Dance. Okay, so we can take umbrage at the mischaracterizations of Lulu Bell and her fans, stained envelopes and whatnot, but this is a huge moment for Lulu Bell and for the National Barn Dance. Lulu Bell addresses the honor with her typical disarming humor in a self-penned article in Standby, entitled Royal Family. She says, I haven't any crown to wear on my pigtails, but I sure feel like I'd thrown away my old high-top boots and had been wearing glass slippers ever since the editors of Radio Guide told me I was to be Radio Queen of 1936. Maybe you'd like to hear about what I was doing when I first heard about it. I was a-crawling around on the floor with Linda Lou. She's nearly ten months old now, you know, and she can stand alone. She's not walking yet, but she can cover a lot of territory on her hands and knees, and I was doing my best to keep up with her. The telephone rang, and I answered it, and a strange voice said, Mrs. Wiseman? And I said, Yes. Then I heard this very gruff voice say, I have a warrant for your arrest. Well, for just a second, I was flabbergasted, and then I realized if it was really anyone trying to arrest me, he wouldn't try to do it over the telephone. So I asked him, what is this, a joke? And he just laughed. It turned out to be Bob Dwyer, who used to work at the station. And he said, well, the warrant says you're to be arrested for slaying the American public. Okay, Bob Dwyer. She spends the rest of the article talking about how proud Scotty is of her, saying, you think he was my father instead of my husband, the way he's so proud. And then jarringly begins talking about making pork chops and how much she likes being a wife and a mother saying, it's fun being settled in one place and having a real home and being able to do my own cooking. Scotty says I'm getting pretty good at it, too. Notice how Lulu Bell, at the top of radio in America, is praised more for her domestic duties than her professional achievements, even by, especially by, the company that employs her. Again, as you remember from last week, there was an idea that the male authority must be held up in times of depression, as women were gaining cultural and financial power. The December issue of Radio God has a lengthy write-up and interview with their new radio queen, Lulu Bell. 
Just to give a bit of broader historical context, the cover of this issue of the magazine features Ingrid Bergman in promotion of her new film, Casablanca. The magazine also contains the full speech of King Edward VIII's abdication of the British throne, for all you crown heads out there. And for all you mad men watchers, the back cover is a Lucky Strike ad featuring a smoking Santa with the ad slogan, It's Toasted. Turns out Don Draper didn't come up with that on the spot in a pitch meeting in 1960. The Lulu Bell interview takes place in her Chicago townhome. Scotty and Linda Lou are present, as is Lulu Bell's mother, who apparently lives with them. The theme of the interview is the idea of the feisty cure, a foreign phrase to my ears and to that of the interviewer, but is explained this way. First, Scotty says, Down our way, there's a pestiferous number of small, sassy, entirely good-for-nothing pups, which are known to one and all as feisty dogs. Don't ask me where they got that name from, but feisty in the Big Smokies has come to mean sassy, pert, quick, on the comeback. Lulu Bell interrupts, and that feisty attitude, believe it or not, turned out to be my best defense against the inferiority complex which I found impossible to shake. Deep inside of me, I felt a good deal like those feisty mutts, good for nothing as long as I can remember. Lulu Bell goes on to say, I never could feel the equal of persons I met. I saw nothing in my personality or my so-called talent that could possibly interest others. So, and I guess you'd call this sort of a defense mechanism, I developed the feisty trait, the habit of having a ready retort, a snappy wisecrack for every occasion. It didn't make me feel superior, really, but it did seem to prevent others from catching on just how little I thought I was worth. The article says, Lulu Bell fell into one of her rare moments of earnestness. Her brow was furrowed as she remarked quietly. That trick of mine certainly stood me in good stead during my early days on the National Barn Dance. Truth is, good many of those folks weren't very nice to me after I joined the troupe in the fall of 1932. They... Scotty interrupts her. Tut-tut now, honey. Why bring that up? It's all over and forgotten, you know. That's all past now. The article says, but Lulu Bell was not to be tut-tutted. She laughed good-naturedly, but she went right on. Oh, I don't blame them, but it's perfectly true. No business in the world is more competitive than the radio game. And there is plenty of professional jealousy, as any newcomer will tell you. The jobs are limited, you know, and so many are trying for them. It was natural, I suppose, for some of the gang to want to edge me right out of the picture if possible. That's where my feisty technique came in handy. For every rib they handed me, I tossed one back. At last, they accepted me as one of them. This whole article is fascinating to me. It reads to me like raw candor, unexpected in a puff piece about a radio contest. I'm intrigued that her whole person was built in defense of a lack of self-worth. I get it, and I'm glad she got her moment in the sun, and I'm appreciative that she took the time to be real with herself. And kudos to the radio guide for printing the Scotty interruption and Lulu Bell's ignoring of it. She not only outshone other women in radio popularity, but she also held her own among men, ranking fifth in a national poll behind Jack Benny, Eddie Cantor, Nelson Eddy, and Lanny Ross. Unlike Grace Wilson and Linda Parker, Lulu Bell and Scotty spent a good bit of time making records. 
From 1935 to 1940, Lulu Bell and Scotty recorded 31 sides for a number of labels. Some highlights are this train. Preacher says the burglar cannot ride this gospel train, and the congregation answer back with all their might and main. This train don't care no burglars, this train. This train don't care no burglars, this train. When I yoo-hoo in the valley When I yoo-hoo in the valley To my Lulu in the hills She would answer with her Holy lady When I hear my Scotty yoodle As it echoed through the dells Then I know he was a thinking I love you Wow. Oh, I ain't had much book learning And I never learned to write So, so we kept in touch with one another Yodeling all the night When I knew who in the valley To my Lulu in the hills She would answer with her Holy lady One of Lulu Bell's shining moments, the marriage regret anthem, I Wish I Was a Single Girl Again. The song has been covered by many, including a brilliant, raucous, irreverent cover by Rose Maddox. When I was single and he used to come to court, he always brought me candy and I thought he was a sport. Now we are married and what do you think? What? He bought a gingham apron and he showed me to the oh, sang. Oh, Lord. Scotty was also coming into his own as a songwriter. His reworking of Bascom Lamar Lunsford's Mountain Dew has become iconic. Now if you are the sort who can relish a snort, here's a piece of advice that is true. Get it straight from the hill where the moonshiners still make a drink called that Mountain Dew. Oh, they call it that old Mountain Dew. In 1940, Scotty outdoes himself and writes, Remember Me. When you said, sweetheart, remember me. 
Remember Me was also famously covered by Willie Nelson on his legendary album, Red-Headed Stranger. You told me once that you were mine along forever And I was yours till the end of eternity But all those vows are broken now and I will never Be the same except in Remember me when the candlelights are gleaming Remember me at the close of a long, long day And it would be so sweet when all alone I'm dreaming Just to know you still remember me The Lulu Bell song, Does Spearmint Lose Its Flavor on the Bedpost Overnight, is a novelty song, much in character with the gum-chewing Lulu Bell, but it's also a thinly-veiled modern musing on love and sex. Here comes the blush and bride, her sweetheart by her side. At the altar, as steady as Gibraltar, the bridegroom's got the ring. Perhaps the biggest song for the duo was Scotty's composition of Have I Told You Lately That I Love You. Have I told you lately how I miss you When the stars are shining in the sky Have I told you why the nights are long when you're not with me Well, darling, I'm dead Lulu Bell and Scotty's radio success led to their appearing in eight Hollywood pictures in the late 1930s and 40s. Here's a request for you, a plea even. There was a movie made called The National Barn Dance, and it stars several barn dance stars like Arky, the Arkansas Woodchopper, Pat Buttram, the Hoosier Hotshots, the Dinning Sisters, and Lulu Bell and Scotty. I do not think this film is available anywhere to watch. I hope I'm wrong. If you have any leads as to where someone might find this film, please get in contact with me and let me know. 
One film I was able to watch was Shine on Harvest Moon. It's a Roy Rogers film where an upright cattle rancher near the Grand Tetons in Wyoming gets on the wrong side of a corrupt banker and a gang of cattle rustlers. Lulu Bell and Scotty's characters are, as best as I can figure, in the employ of this upright cattle rancher. They don't have a lot of screen time or dialogue, but they do have one shining moment when they're tasked with distracting the lawmen trying to wrongfully arrest their boss. Chester, call Mr. Brower. The sheriff wants him. Go ahead, Chester. You can come back. <laughs> oh, Sheriff, I just fixed this song up today, and I want you to hear it in Spanish. Oh, I'm dying. I'm sighing. Mere friendship I ever shall spurn. I'm dying. I'm sighing. To love and be loved in return. Oh, my maw says my head isn't level That something is wrong with my brain And had she her time to go over She never would marry again That love is a brilliant hued bubble And I like a foolish young dunce had better attend to my lessons and give up such nonsense at once. Please, not so much noise. Don't you know there's a sick man inside? Poor hokey writing aside, Lulu Bell is charming in her role, funny and natural on screen. I can see why she garnered such a devoted fan base. I wonder what might have been with her movie career if she had better writing and production. Lulu Bell and Scotty's star continues to rise, and they stay on with the barn dance into the 1950s, leveraging their radio and movie successes into TV appearances and a radio show of their own. Lulu Bell and Scotty continue to record mountain tunes and comedy numbers, adding some gospel here and there, and even delving into the political on a couple of songs. And Congress has appointed a committee, so they said to find out who's American and who's a low-down red. They call them up to Washington to speak for Uncle Sam. But when they ask them what they are, they shut up like a clam. I wish they'd take and put me on the witness stand today. I'd yell so loud, old Stalin could hear me all the way. I'm no communist, I'll tell you that right now. I believe a man should own his own house and car and cow. I like this private ownership, I want to be left alone. Let the government run its business, and let me run my own. Scotty may have landed on the wrong side of McCarthyism with this one, and I'm sure you have your own convictions about private ownership and the size of government, but I wanted to introduce this song here because we will be talking explicitly about politics and the country folk music divide in season three. Maybe Scotty heard a Pete Seeger song that he's reacting to here. I don't really know, um, but consider this just a little teaser for season three. But more immediately relevant, Scotty's conservatism may have played a part in Lulu Bell's later political career. Lulu Bell and Scotty retire from performing in 1958 and return to their home state of North Carolina, to a home they built in Asheville. Scotty returned to his first professional love, teaching, and Lulu Bell ran for a seat in the North Carolina House of Representatives as a Democrat in a mostly Republican district, 
Here's what she said about that. And you also hold that distinction, of course, in uh, you campaigned in 1974 and you went on to be elected to the North Carolina General Assembly, the first gal ever elected. That's right, the first one that ever even ran, I think, in, in my district. And the first Democrat. <laughs> there are very strong Republican counties in, in, that, in the western North Carolina, very strong, about three to one Republican to Democrat. And some of those dear souls, it had to, the Republicans had to have voted for me, or I couldn't have made it. Yeah. Well, I told them I didn't make any difference what my religion was. <laughs> Just a little warning here, this next 30 seconds talks about sexual assault. If you don't want to listen to this part, please skip ahead. From what I could find, Myrtle Wiseman's time as a state representative had two significant moments. In a debate about whether or not the crime of rape should be punishable by death, Representative Wiseman gave a passionate speech in which she stated that she was raped in her own home at gunpoint during her career as a country musician. This was the first time she talked publicly about this incident, and the Assembly did eventually pass the law allowing capital punishment for the crime of rape. The second significant event in her time as a state representative came during the attempt to pass the Equal Rights Amendment in 1975. It was a contentious time in the country, with strong opinions all around. 38 states needed to ratify the amendment for it to become law. Just a reminder, the Equal Rights Amendment basically wanted to guarantee women equal protection under the law as men from discrimination. North Carolina was one of the few states that could go either way. I found a recent interview with Nancy Drum Dawson, prominent member of the National Organization for Women at the time, and she recounted those days and the vote in North Carolina. The interviewer asks, can you tell me a little bit about those votes that you lost? Dawson says, I will tell you about one in particular because she's very special. She was a new state representative from rural North Carolina, the mountains. Her name is Lulu Bell Wiseman, actually Myrtle Wiseman, and Lulu Bell was her stage name. She was a country music singer and had a radio program, and that's how she was known, as a singer. She had been a yes vote up until the preliminary vote. At the night of the vote, she had dozens and dozens and dozens of calls from her constituents voicing fear and concern. They didn't understand what the amendment was. And she said to us in her heart that it hurt her badly to do this. She couldn't go against her own people. And after she cast her no vote, she buried her face in her arms and sobbed. She was the only woman to vote no. When Scotty passes away in 1980, Lulu Bell remarries later that decade, and she did some recording on independent labels before her death in 1999. Here's an example of one of her later songs. Now folks say a dog can't hold no grudge, but once when I got too much budge, some fellers tried to do me up, but they didn't count on our old bud. Sadie's duty thar and then and he lit right into them gentlemen he sure messed up that courthouse square with rags and meat and hide and hair now every time I come to town the boys keep kicking my dog around makes no difference if he is a hound they gotta quit kicking my dog around dog
Lulu Bell's strong stage persona paved the way for superstars like Rose Maddox and Loretta Lynn. Lulu Bell as a comedian also directly influenced Minnie Pearl and June Carter to take the hillbilly female Rube character to new heights. As we know from the story that we've heard, there are depths to Lulu Bell that go far beyond her gum-smacking novelty songs. I'll leave you with another hint at those depths, with a quote that she gave in response to the question, What is authentic American music? Lulu Bell took her answer to the hills. She says, Mountain songs are fact, not fiction. They are sidelights on life, set to music. You never find the words love and dove in a mountain song. You and Eyes of Blue are out too. You will find the fundamentals, though. For any real life episode is grist for a hill ballad. A practical joke, a wreck, a murder, a child bride. That's why mountain music is just about as close to real American music as any music can be. It's folk music, pure and simple. Thank you for listening to this two-part episode on Lulu Bell. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you're interested in covering one of the songs from one of the artists featured on an episode, any episode, season one or season two, please get in touch with me. You can find ways to contact me or support me in the show description. Our next episode, we're going to start talking about the three little maids. When I was single, I was jealous as a shrew of the women with their babies cause I wish I had one too. Now I've got a baby, she's as sweet as any rose, but ain't it aggravating when you have to clean her nose? Lord, I wish I was a single girl again.